know, I heard a number of legislators tell various stories about themselves dealing with mental illness, with their loved ones dealing with mental illness, friends, etc. But I think it sort of gets, especially when it comes to funding, it doesn't get the love that it deserves. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. Today we have a very special guest, Mr. Jake Glantz. He's Mental Health Association's advocacy specialist. And basically what that means is that Jake's at the Oklahoma State Capitol making sure our representatives understand the issues related to mental health, suicide prevention, homelessness, and, which this is a big topic that we're going to be tackling, criminal justice reform. Welcome, Jake. Thanks for having me, Matt. All right, Jake. So we're going to be talking about best and worst of the session, which ended yesterday, May 23rd. We're also going to be touching on some of those big topics that I mentioned, especially criminal justice reform. We're also going to be talking about mental health funding, the overall state budget, and then we're going to do a fun little segment on pros and cons. So stick around for that. All right, Jake. The mental health download starts now. So first question, just give us your overall impression of this past session. I think we started out optimistically and I think we sort of um, were brought back down to earth. But I think all things considered, I think there were some improvements made. There were very few cuts to, to you know, different agencies, but I think we can do better. If you were going to give this session a grade, what would you give it? I think I'd give it a C. Um, I think what I just said, I think we... It had a potential to be an A session. I think we we had a you know the potential to really address some of the you know serious criminal justice reform issues or criminal justice issues in the state. And unfortunately, I don't think I think we we stopped short. And I think you know we're number one in the world in incarceration. I don't think you know looking looking forward to what we did this legislative session. I don't think anything we did is going to change that. Um, so you came to Mental Health Association from Nebraska. Yes. This year, this was your first um, session in Oklahoma. So, you know, what were some of those things, some of those learning moments that you had about Oklahoma politics? Yeah, I think one of the things that's very different from Nebraska or different uh, from from Oklahoma, from Nebraska, North Dakota, another state I'm familiar with is Oklahoma, unfortunately, isn't the most transparent, uh, especially when it comes to the budget. I think I, I think a lot of state legislatures aren't the most transparent, unfortunately. But I think, you know, during, you know, when we were discussing the budget, you know, different legislators didn't know a whole lot. Uh, it was hard to get, you know, in with some of the leadership to sort of find out what was going on. Um, to me, that's unfortunate. I think it should really be transparent. But I understand. I mean, it's it's government. It's it's not supposed to be the most transparent all the time. But to me, that was a little disappointing. As you were getting to know the legislators, what was the impression you got as far as their dedication to mental health? For the most part, the legislators I spoke with understand that mental health is an issue in Oklahoma. You know, I heard a number of legislators tell various stories about themselves dealing with mental illness, with their loved ones dealing with mental illness, friends, etc. But I think it's sort of gets especially when it comes to funding it doesn't get the love that it deserves but i think when it comes to mental health i think everybody understands the need for more resources but when when the chips are down unfortunately 
it doesn't it, it doesn't appear to be the top priority which i think the coalition of advocates they have a coffee chat every thursday uh during session um you know we see a lot of legislators come in and, and talk about mental health and and even just grab a a donut and some coffee even even them just you know sort of getting some face time with with different legislators i think people are understanding that it's an important issue and that it needs to be addressed but we still have a long way to go unfortunately what about criminal justice reform bills why did that take such precedence during this session you know a lot of different factors played into to us really not tackling criminal justice reform like we should have but I think, you know, I'm somewhat optimistic uh, for the years to come. And I think that we really need to just get to work. And, and you know, we, we, we've studied this to death. There were a number of meaningful bills that didn't, you know, that went through a conference committee and just simply weren't heard that I think would have really curbed, um, you know, the number of people we incarcerate. So, Jake, so Senate Bill 252 is a significant bail reform measure that guarantees defendants a bail hearing within 48 hours of arrest and creates more chances for those who can't pay bail to be released before trial. So tell us what went down with that bill. You know, unfortunately, in the last couple of weeks, we had a number of bail bondsmen in the Capitol. They were, you know, talking to the legislators saying, hey, if we get this bail reform bill, we're going to lose money. And, you know, I think that got to some legislators. They put some political pressure on them. And unfortunately, they voted, you know, there were a number of people who changed their votes from that final House vote that happened right on deadline day. And then after conference committee, they changed their vote. Um, it's unfortunate, but I think it's it's one of those things that it, it happens. You know, people, they have influence over certain legislators and people change their vote. I mean, you know, the, the most important thing with this bill is currently our system is, you know, a lot of people are in jail simply because they're poor. They can't pay their bail. They can't pay whatever fines and fees are associated. This bill would have done a lot of work to alleviate some of those costs on people. And unfortunately, it didn't, it, it, it failed. And, you know, back to the drawing board, unfortunately. So what do you think is going to happen in this next session with Senate Bill 252? Well, I think what's going to happen is they're going to file another bill that's very similar to this. Um, they might make some changes, um, you know, go back to to figure out, hey, why didn't this pass? You're definitely going to see it again next session. That That's my, my prediction. Um, All right. So as disappointed as you are about Senate Bill 252, uh, what's what's a bill that you're really excited actually passed? House Bill 1269 passed uh, late yesterday. Um, The last bill that the Senate heard, uh, they passed it. It makes state question 780 retroactive, Um, you know, slight change uh, to the to the original bill. You know, the pardon and parole board will be. Uh, we'll be hearing some of these cases and, and you know, hope to release around, you know, a thousand individuals who are currently incarcerated for nonviolent drug offenses, you know, offenses that would be misdemeanors now. Most people wouldn't see jail time now, um, thanks to the voter, you know, thanks to voters enacting state question 780 in 2016. Um, but, you know, there's still, yeah, like I said, a lot of people in, incarcerated who, um, who this, you know, this bill would, would positively affect them and, and potentially release uh, nearly a thousand of them. It's it's real easy to just say, oh, a thousand people are going to be affected by this. But you think about that and you think a thousand people who have been incarcerated when, you know, the laws have changed and, you know, they were sitting in there for basically an offense that would have they would have been set free, you know, if it had happened today. But, you know, unfortunately, it happened years ago. But you think about a thousand people being reunited with their families, being 
put back into the community where they can, you know, start their lives again, start hopefully getting connected with, uh, you know, with job training, with um, housing, with mental health and addiction treatment, mainstreaming back into society. You know, the, the thing that always is just amazing to me is that it costs Oklahoma $23,000 a year to incarcerate someone with serious mental illness, $19,000 for someone in general population. But the fact is that it costs $5,000 for drug court, and it costs the Department of Mental Health here in Oklahoma about $2,000 to provide someone treatment for a year. So when we talk about 1,000 people, you do the math. Um, it just it makes sense, and hopefully our legislators will um, keep this progress going next session. Um, so, Jake, let's move on to mental health funding. Tell us, you know, this has been an ongoing battle for ever Absolutely. <laughs> you know, in Oklahoma. <laughs> um, sadly, uh, we are, you know, we have some of the highest rates of mental health and substance use issues, uh, but we're almost at the bottom as far as funding for mental health. 46th. 46th. I will say that the people who do receive services, they have amazing outcomes, but you know, it's about, there's, and I'm, I kid you not, there's about a million Oklahomans who are in need of mental health and substance use treatment, but only about one in three actually receive treatment. So luckily, mental health funding hasn't been cut drastically in recent years, but we need more funding. Absolutely. Uh, we're always going to need more funding, you know, until we switch that from, you know, being uh, at the top for mental health and substance use issues. You know, if we can put that at 46, that would be amazing. So where are we with mental health funding and how did we do during this session? Uh, we saw about $11 million uh, additional given to the Department of Mental Health. Uh, unfortunately, that's, you know, far, far less than they requested and far less than we thought we'd get. Um, about $10 million went to the Department of Mental Health's uh, Smart on Crime Initiative. To put that in context, they requested $90 million um, for Smart on Crime, and then additionally another million dollars for the for mental health. So uh, disappointing to say the least. Um, you know, I just think we need to keep fighting for next year. I think we need to see more funding um, for mental health. When you were speaking with legislators, what was your message about mental health? Because they're, they're bombarded by people with their special interests. So what, you know, what got you their attention? My message was that the Department of Mental Health has been cut nearly $50 million in four of the last five years. You know, to me, that's preposterous. I think, um, you know, we're, you know, we're top 10 in untreated mental illness. We're 46 in the nation in, uh, in spending for mental health issues. Um, that's got to change. Um, you know, we've seen cut, 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 you know, we need to, we need to get some of that back. We need to, you know, we need to restore those cuts to, to the funding. Um, and I think a lot of legislators understood that. I think, especially from some of our rural legislators, they understand that, you know, a lot of them live in, in, in healthcare deserts. And unfortunately, you know, this session, we did very little to, to actually, um, to curb some of that or to, to change outcomes and, and give the Department of Mental Health the funding that they need. But, you know, I think I'm optimistic. I think that mental health has sort of been the, the punching bag in the budget. Um, the fact that we've gone two years, I mean, small victories here, but the fact that we've gone two years without cuts is a very sad but small victory. And the fact that we've seen in the last two years, we've seen about, you know, $20 million extra dollars, um, $20 million additional to the Department of Mental Health. 
small victories, but I think we just need to see a lot more. You know, you touched on rural legislators, and that's, you know, as, a, as the Mental Health Association, you know, we're really trying to expand our reach into those rural areas. And because, you know, the fact is that when you, when you live in a non-metro area and you need mental health treatment, there are many barriers in front of you. So when you're talking to these rural legislators, what are some of their, what do they say? Jake, you know, what I need in my area is this. Well, I've, I've heard from a number of people, you know, the need for more affordable housing. Um, I've heard um, from a couple of legislators that they, you know, for the size of their town, that they have a, you know, increasing homeless population. I think they're just looking for resources. There was actually a bill that would help with the coverage gap. It's Senate Bill 773. It provides an educational loan repayment for mental health professionals practicing mental health in rural areas or mental health shortage areas, I should say. Um, so I think that, you know, could provide some incentive for mental health professionals to um, to either relocate or um, start practice, practicing in um, more rural areas. Um, but I think all things considered, you know, people consider you know, certain areas of the state to be, you know, healthcare deserts. And, you know, I think we have a lot of work to do in rural communities to, to help, to help the coverage gap. All right. So let's, let's move on to the overall state budget. Talk about some of the, the drama that went along with that. Some of the, (laughs) uh, some of the highs and lows as far as getting a budget decided. It was definitely a, uh, it took them a long time to kind of figure out what they wanted to do. But, um, you know, to me personally, I think I'm a little disappointed, again, going back to mental health funding. We didn't see enough mental health funding. Um, we saw um, two, $200 million put into savings. Um, you know, I can see the argument for that, but we have a number of agencies that are bleeding right now for funds. So to put money away when, you know, we need, when, when, when certain agencies need more money, I, to me, I don't, I don't understand that. Um, Again, you know, we saw a $1,200 teacher pay increase. We saw a $1,300 public employee pay increase. So those are, you know, some little nuggets of good for, for certain folks. Um, but I think all things considered, I'm, I'm disappointed uh, in, in the budget overall. I think we could have done more to, um, to address criminal justice reform, to address mental health funding. And I think we one of the big things we didn't do in Oklahoma this year was was expand health coverage. Um, there was a lot of discussion about that, and it it didn't it didn't end up happening. And I think the legislature is gonna you know they're gonna look back. And I think you know right now there's been some talk about a a ballot initiative. Um, I think the legislature had a lot of they had some opportunities to to have a say in in health coverage expansion. And I think you know unfortunately they may have lost their say. You know, if you had to put a uh, probability on expanding Medicaid in Oklahoma, what do you think? Well, through the through the legislature, you know, for me, I'm I'm still I think it's a possibility next session. Um, I think it's hard to say, you know, the percent likelihood. <laughs> um, but I think the way it's looking is it, it's I think it's going to go to a ballot initiative. I think it's similar to what happened with medical marijuana in the state. I think there's a a good chance that if it goes to the ballot, that Oklahoma voters will vote to expand health coverage. There's also a good chance that they might reject it. But I think I'm optimistic and I think that the majority of Oklahomans see that there's 100,000 individuals in our state who don't have access to health insurance. That's people who experience mental illness. That's people who, you know, have every of all sorts of health needs 
that are unable to get health are are unable to get health insurance and you know like medical marijuana i think it's one of those issues that i think they could vote for it and i think they could support it all right so let's talk about one of the the personal highlights for me um of this session uh was the day at the capitol where we had hundreds of mental health advocates come together we had a rally at the in the uh, the rotunda, and it was it was just a wonderful day. What did you enjoy most about that day? For me, it was really cool to see some of our our participants and our staff actually get to meet their legislators. Um, I think a lot of them sort of don't think that that was ever a possibility. I think that they sort of see the Capitol as something that's exclusive. That's you know you sort of have to be a certain type of you have to be uh, you know of a certain. Um, you know, you, you have you have to know them. You have to have a relationship with them. I think that to me, going around with certain individuals and and them actually meeting their legislators is really powerful to me. Looking back on that day, one of my favorite um, things that happened was you know there was a police officer who was recognized. He received an award, and um, at the end of his speech, he said, "Look, you know, we got to do something about first responders dying by suicide. I've lost too many friends. I've lost too many coworkers." We have to do something about this. Um, so, you know, what is being done as far as suicide prevention? Was that a topic at all this year? Were there any bills? There was a bill that would have addressed uh, workers' compensation, would have addressed um, uh, time off for an injury, um, would have applied that to um, uh, to mental illness, to, to, to something that happened, you know, whether that be PTSD, um, something of the sort. Uh, unfortunately, that bill didn't get uh, didn't get heard um, either on the House or the Senate side. Um, but it is still alive, and we hope to care. We hope to uh, to help with that bill next year. Yeah, it would be wonderful to go to the Capitol and do what we offer um, QPR uh, suicide prevention training um, to go into the state Capitol. Have Governor Stitt. Uh, Governor, this is a personal invitation. Uh, please invite us to come to the Capitol and provide a free suicide prevention training for yourself and your staff, your amazing wife, who is such an amazing mental health advocate. We'll come in. takes about an hour, and we'll teach you the warning signs of suicide um, because once legislators can understand the importance of suicide prevention, hopefully they will you know, pass bills like you were just talking about jake um so anyway governor we love you um uh so the next so let's move on to um um, a fun little game i like to call pro con (laughs) all right so um give us um you know some of your pros and cons of this session yeah so uh pro for me was uh us being able to pass um, House Bill 1411, um, that was uh, Representative Nichols and Senator Matthews' bill to expand the affordable housing tax credit uh, to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, Cleveland counties currently. Um, and then it was signed by Governor Stitt, so thank you, Governor Stitt. Um, but that was a bill that, uh, you know, currently the affordable housing tax credit is only applied to counties with less than 100,000 people. Um, and now, you know, this bill would expand it to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Cleveland counties. You know, for us as a mental health association, we have a number of affordable housing uh, units in Tulsa and Oklahoma counties. Uh, so any new housing project, we, um, you know, we, we can use this tax credit to sort of, you know, alleviate some of the costs. So to okay. me, that was a, that was definitely a pro from the session. Most definitely. 
uh, we've touched on a lot of cons, but you know, if there's one that you're like, you're still grumbling about, mm-hmm. what is it? I think it's the fact that, uh, that bail reform failed. Yeah. Um, and I think that a number of, I think it, I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know the exact number of people who switched their vote, but, um, the fact that a number of legislators changed their vote from yes to no, um, to me, that's disappointing. And, you know, I understand, you know, things happen and you change your mind, something, you know, doesn't feel right about a bill. But I think this is a bill that really could have done a lot of good for people in this state, especially people who are currently incarcerated or, you know, sort of, um, you know, finding themselves um, not being able to afford bail um, and are really just in jail because they're or really just in jail because they're poor. You know, one of the big things is that, you know, once once the session ends, it seems like everybody's like, well, we're done. Uh, all right. See you in February. Um, but, your jo- you know, your your personal job is, you know, <laughs> most definitely um, not stopping. Um, and the job of advocates everywhere in Oklahoma um, is not stopping. So um, but a lot of times people don't know what to do. They, they think it's an empty capital, you know, that. Nobody's going to be taking their calls or reading their emails. They feel kind of frustrated. So what can, you know, just regular ordinary people like myself do between now and when the session starts in February of 2020? I think, you know, reach out to your legislators, you know, tell them, you know, you know, what, what, you know, th- thank them for the good things that they did and, 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 you know, you know, be critical and say, Hey, I wish you would have done this. Um, you know, you can, you can email them, you can still call them, you know, a lot of them are still at the Capitol. We still have interim studies to go. Um, you know, the session's over, but I think there's still a lot we can do. And also I think, you know, sort of get ready for next session. I think get to know your legislators, get to know the Capitol, get to know, you know, how we should, I mean, one of the things that we're going to be doing, you know, this summer is we want to have, um, some town halls in, you know, around the state just to kind of hear, you know, what issues are impacting, you know, different communities in the state, um, you know, so share those stories with us. And we, we really want to hear, you know, what what can we do um, next session um, to to better impact this state, um, you know, that we might not have done this year. So as an advocate, I think, you know, still stay in contact with those legislators, you know, email them, call them. One of the, the big things that we would really encourage people, if you haven't already, please visit mhaok.org forward slash advocate. And what you'll find there is um, actually a, a really nice summary of some of the, the advocacy alerts we sent out this year. Kind of see those. But you can also find who your legislator is. There's a search there. You can find them um, if you haven't already. And, you know, you can uh, sign up for advocacy alerts. We're going to be, you know, session may be over, but Jake's going to be sending alerts out over the in the interim between now and next session so definitely sign up for those so so jake i just want to you know before we go i just want to leave uh with this one question what gives you hope for the future i think you know sort of the connections that i made this session i think the relationships they made with different legislators with different people at the capitol I think they understand the importance and I think they, I think a lot of legislators sort of see this session as, hey, you know, I know we, we address education in a big way this session again, but I think mental health, you know, still has yet to have its day, you know, so that gives me hope. And I think the fact that uh, on the criminal justice side, the fact that the majority of these bills that either didn't get heard or the bills that didn't get heard 
you know, they're still alive, you know, they can still be voted on next year. So I think there's still a lot of work to be done next year and the years to come. I think, uh, I think, I think our message is pretty clear. I mean, we, we've studied criminal justice to death, you know, now it's time to act. And, you know, personally, I think incremental change is a, you know, is an unfortunate thing, especially when it comes to criminal justice reform. But I think, you know, if that's the route that we're going to take, then I think, you know, there's still a lot left on the table. And I think there's, um, again, a number of these, a number of these bills are still active. So, you know, that gives me hope. And I think the mood has changed. I think people understand that we cannot keep incarcerating people at the rate we're currently incarcerating them. We cannot stay number one in the world in incarceration. We cannot stay 46 in the country in mental health funding. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to, I don't know if that we're going to change overnight, but I think we're making, you know, slow incremental change and, and, and hopefully we, you know, um, hopefully we get better. You know, I have hope for that. All right, Jake. So thanks again for being here with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. So before we leave, uh, one more time, go to mhaok.org forward slash advocate. Sign up for those advocacy alerts. Find your legislator. It's summer, but, you know, it's not the time to relax. We still got to keep the pressure on our representatives and make our voices heard because, you know, honestly, there are people experiencing homelessness right now. There are people who um, have untreated mental illness who, you know, they don't know how to access treatment or there's too many barriers in front of them. There are people right now who are um, have felony nonviolent convictions who are going to get who are going to face punishment rather than getting connected to treatment and there is someone right now who is having thoughts of suicide and one suicide is too many so um, anything we can do at the capitol to ensure more funding for mental health is going to save lives okay thank you for listening to this episode of the mental health download be sure to spread the word. We need all the love we can get because, you know, we want people to understand that everybody has a stake in this fight and everybody can make a difference. So again, thank you to Jake Glantz and we hope you tune in next time. Okay, go do good things. <laughs>